0: Thank you for listening to The Luminous Mind. Remember to subscribe to our free podcast so you won't miss any of our Illuminating content. Here is episode 211.
1: Rather than approaching situations from your perspective, what's in your mind, you look at every situation to what's in the other person's heart.
2: Benjamin Franklin once said, do not curse the darkness, rather light a candle instead. If you're ready to set your mind on fire, then prepare yourself for the luminous mind with your host Rebecca Bowman.
0: Today's fire starter is Heather Linchenko. Heather was born and raised here in Southeast Idaho with me, or as I am, too. <laughs> she was one of 10 children growing up on a farm. She served an LDS mission in Belgium and France. She's had the opportunity of working for Stephen R. Covey and typed and edited his 7 Habits book. She also worked as an administrative assistant to Douglas T. Snar, who was also a motivational speaker and author in the circuit with Paul Harvey, Zig Ziglar, and many others. She married a man born and raised in Russia and discovered from seeing his education how woefully inadequate hers had been. Although she had been an honor student through most of her years of schooling, she discovered that what she really happened to be good at was understanding the system. She did not come out feeling very educated. While living in Kazakhstan with her husband's work... And finding the English-speaking schools to be out of this world expensive, of necessity, she started homeschooling her five children. She's the creator of a system for teaching multiplication before addition, ideally, which is interesting, called Math Hacked. She hopes it will become a factor in shifting current educational paradigms. She says she sees a new day in education dawning and is excited to be part of it. Well, welcome, Heather. Well, thank
1: you. It's really great to be here.
0: Again, (laughs) we had a taping this happened. Uh, Heather was so gracious to come back on and try this again. So let's just hope that nothing happens. But I really hope the last thing that I read there is that we're going to see a new day in education dawning and see those current educational paradigms shift. I'm right there with you. So uh, let's hope that Math Act helps do that. I'm so excited to learn more
1: about it. But before we do anything, please tell our audience a little bit more about yourself. Well, like I say, I was raised in a very big family, 10 children, six brothers. You know, I was the youngest girl. I was the baby girl. And for some reason, I wanted to be one of those boys. There were six of them, very adventurous. And so my early life was spent just trying to keep up with them, whatever they could do. I figured I should be able to do as well. And it kind of almost turned out that it went the other way around. They're like, oh, if Heather did it, then we've got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> we cliff jumped and parasailed and went fast on snowmobiles. And I remember my brothers used to outrun the whole family and turn off the machines and just wait for everybody. And there I was right with them. <laughs> oh, that's awesome.
0: Well, and I want to know how working with such extraordinary people like Stephen R. Covey and uh, Douglas T. Snar helps,
1: you know, how, how that helped also change your paradigm. Well, I tell you what, I feel like I'm just the luckiest of people in the whole world to have worked with, you know, not just bosses where you can earn money, at, but people who I admired just so much and they were mentors to me. They didn't mean to be, but I just got to be around greatness and watch it in action uh, not just read it from books. And again, I looked at their lives and thought if they can do that, if they can know so much and grow so much and, and be out of the box. I can do that too, and so there, it was just a great inspiration for my whole life.
0: That's great, and kind of set the set the tone, I guess, for the stuff you did for the rest of your life as well. Um, set
1: the tone, and also just laid a foundation. I had a f- foundation to to build from. Too. So it was really wonderful.
0: That's great. I want to hear more about your journey through homeschooling. You know, in your bio, uh, we mentioned that your husband was born and raised in Russia, and it made you see how woefully inadequate your education had been. What did you mean by that?
1: Well, you know, uh, like I said, I really thought, hey, I got the best education there could be. I got pretty much straight A's and and got to wear the little gold bands of graduation. But then, you know, being married to this person from Russia, any time a question, you know how kids always ask why this or what that or where this, and he had answers. He could give them the answers that they were asking. And I was just empty. I just thought, oh, I remember learning about that, but I have no recollection. And it made me realize, oh my word, I just didn't really have an interest in learning, I had an interest in getting an A. And then once I got that, it was just gone. And so yeah, that was a pretty big awakening for me.
0: Okay, so and being from Russia, though, how do you feel like their education uh, model kind of differed from ours?
1: Well, you know, he grew up in communist Russia. And education was pretty much their only avenue to a good life. Here in America, you, you know, if you have drive, ambition, you can start a business, you can, there's a lot that you can do with your family connections and, you know, to make a good life for yourself, but their education was the key. And so if someone had a good mind, it was just, you know, what they learned had everything to do with their future happiness in life. And so the material was kind of learned for a whole different purpose and really stuck.
0: That's awesome. Well, and, and that is kind of the downside of maybe some of our learning is that, you know, we don't, we, we take it for granted for one, because it's this free education that everyone's getting. And like you said, it doesn't really matter necessarily your smarts. It matters more about, you know, how well you can connect yourself into society. And so, yeah, it's definitely a different mindset for sure. And as you talked about uh, homeschooling your kids, I'd like to hear kind of more about that, of how, you know, you came to this. I consider you, like me, an accidental homeschooler with this uh, journey through homeschooling. Give us an idea of how that all began and what you really learned from that.
1: Well, you know, realizing how little I knew myself, I don't know if I would have ever chosen homeschool because it just would have been too scary for me. I, I would have thought I need to be smarter to homeschool. But I found myself in another country with an inability to put my kids in uh, English-speaking schools, and so I was going to be there for two years, so I had limited space, so I just found myself asking around, what should I take? What's the most important thing? And uh, what came back to me from other people who have homeschooled that I admired was classic books. Uh, So I got me a bunch of classic books, a math program, and that's about all I had. The thing that I discovered when I just started doing homeschool, reading with the kids and spending time with them, was all my early married life, I had four kids by the time I went through this experience. And I just thought, man, these kids are making me crazy. I just need time away from them to regroup or to not feel so overwhelmed. And what I found in Kazakhstan was, no, I didn't need more time away from them. I needed more time with them doing meaningful things. Once I started doing really meaningful things with my kids, I just, we were all just so happy. All of the discipline problems went down and, and I thought this is where the fun of motherhood is for me. So I continued on most of the years with most of the kids, just homeschooling after that.
0: That's awesome. And her bio was much lengthier, and I cut it down. I'm definitely going to put it in the show notes. But she talked about how, you know, homeschooling helped through trial and error, that she learned a lot about unique philosophies on education and parenting, which, you know, we kind of talked about those two, we know, all go hand to hand together. But I kind of want to hear more about what um, unique philosophies on education and parenting you found through that experience.
1: Well, you know, when I first started out, there was a lot of fear am i teach do i know enough should i teach i'm not doing all the subjects i hear about all these different subjects you should be teaching and and what i learned over time was that it's almost better the simpler you go and to not think of homeschool as from you know a certain time to another time like you do in public school you go at you go at 8 you get out at 3 and uh, if you think of it more as a holistic approach So that you're just trying to slip in education to them as you go all day long, morning to night, it's just a way of life rather than something that you do. Some of the unique philosophies that I discovered, okay, so think about when you are in a passenger seat of a car and someone gives directions and then you just, someone else is in charge of that because they're the driver and you're just the passenger. So you don't really grasp that information very well. However, if you're the driver and someone gives you directions, uh, your brain tunes in at a whole different level and you grasp it. You have to grasp it. And so in homeschool, I realized that they need to be the ones driving their education, not me. And if they are the ones doing it, then it's a whole different thing. They really grasp on and having them drive their education, mostly by tapping into a passion they have. So I had a daughter who just was really kind of intrigued about World War II. Why did the people just follow this leader? How could that have happened? And so rather than just saying, okay, history this much time and math and da-da-da-da-da, she did just nothing but history for a really long time and math. We tried to keep up on math and just followed that passion. We grabbed as many books, as many resources as we could having to do with World War II and she followed that as far as it could go. And what we found is that it started to percolate some other interests in her. You know, then she's like, well, how does World War I connect? And so then she got into World War I and so forth. And we had her take the ACT when she was 13, just for the purpose of waking up in her mind Uh, what was lacking in her education and how surprised we were to, when she got a 23, (laughs) (laughs) which was more than I got when I I, before I went to college, she got higher at 13 than I had it at 18. That is great. Yeah. And then the things that lacked, which science, she hadn't had a lick of science in our homeschool. She was just a sponge for it. She had learned how to be a sponge and to be excited about learning. So when she went to college, she did just great in her science classes and absolutely loved the learning. She's like, this is so fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, boy, I never had that feeling about science growing up. So that's another, another important thing is just follow their, find their passions, follow them.
0: Well, and we talked about, too, how that helps with the parenting aspect of things, you know, the pushing your child versus, you know, like you, I love the analogy of them being in the driver's seat and the difference between, you know, being the driver or the passenger of that. You mentioned yesterday, and I just love the way that you put it. Was
1: it when we were talking about Sam's Club? (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
0: about Sam's Club and your influence over them.
1: Yeah. Okay. So we did talk a little bit yesterday about Walmart and their philosophy of, you know, you um, have the customers happy above all things. And if you do, they will want to buy from you and they will not think twice about buying whatever you have to sell, knowing that they can bring it back. And even if you don't have your receipt or whatever, they want to make sure you leave happy. And once um, Sam Walton discovered this philosophy, his sales just went through the roof. Even with some losses that he took, the net result was just that that sales went absolutely through the roof. So you can use that same philosophy with your children. Sometimes we are in the mode of, "Hey, I've got a customer. We know how to how to treat people when they're our customer." And But we switch into a whole different personality when we're working with our kids, not realizing they're our customer too. We want them to buy the education from us. We want them to buy the wisdom and advice that we have for them and the guidance that we have for them and not – not be resistant to that. So yeah, working from that same personality and that same willingness to please really brings out the best in your kids. Like one of the things I talked about is as parents, we can force their back and their hands. We can make them do stuff. We can make them get their work done. But for them to volunteer a good attitude and volunteer you know, their minds and their hearts, their good attitudes, all of that stuff, We cannot force that. They have to willingly give that. And so if they see that we care about their perspective as much as if they were an adult customer of ours, and we don't give up our own perspective in doing that, but we do take theirs in along with our own, and you will find that you don't have to push and motivate and spend your time in negativity because everybody's on the same page. Like you said yesterday, you kind of make those goals together with everybody's perspectives in mind. Something I learned from Stephen Covey, you can always, always, always come up with a, a solution that is pleasing to everyone with enough time and with enough, uh, you know, it takes work sometimes to get to it and to find it. But if you don't give up on that process, you will come up with a third alternative where everyone's going to be buy into it and support it.
0: Well, and I loved, uh, too, we talked about having uh, no rules, you know, (laughs) when we we talked about the curfew, per se, you know, and we grew up in an era where our parents gave us a curfew. But both of us have done our parenting where, you know, we discuss what activities our kids are doing and, you know, kind of go, okay, well, I'm going to start worrying about you after this time. But that we have found that even though we feel like that we haven't necessarily we didn't make the rules. The kids made the rules, you know, that they understood, like, even though there were no rules that they because we helped to work on those, I guess, those rules together, that they were more apt to follow them. Is that I mean, let's kind of talk about that a little.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, that's something I have really noticed is very, very different about my parenting style than uh, most everyone around me is I would see these good kids, they would be 15 minutes late on a curfew. And they'd be grounded for two weeks. And my kids didn't have any curfew at all because as long as they behaved in a way that made me not worry. So they would, I'd said, as long as I'm not worrying about you, you're good. You can choose your way. You can choose your bedtime. You can choose your, you know, how you study, whether you want to study on your bed with the TV on. I did not care about any of that stuff as long as that I didn't have to worry about them. And so they gave me that they would end up just calling and saying, hey, I'm with this group. And they they would give me enough information that I didn't worry. And I would set my alarm at whatever time they said they were going to come in and and make sure that they got home safely. But, yeah, we lived by principles rather than rules. And we also cared about each other rather than I'm the boss, you do what I say.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and that was reciprocated back to you from your children, too. I mean, I find that, too, that your kids have a lot more respect for you when you respect them, too. So
1: Right. We kind of think that as long as we have good motives, we have love and tireless efforts on their behalf, that somehow that's going to turn out okay. But we also have to have paradigms that work for for kids like looking at something from their perspective instead of just our own I can see why Stephen Covey used the term effective you know seven habits of effective people because you can have all the right like I say motives and uh, work and love and everything and still it's, it's you you don't things are not running smoothly for you so this is a paradigm shift That I tell you, it makes everything run more smoothly. Yeah,
0: and it's effective, like you said. Like they are buying your product because they feel cared about, and you know that they're they feel like they have some buy-in to that product as well.
1: (laughs) So, right, that's great. I'm treating them like um, a driver when they drive their education. That's another thing that I've noticed with a lot of parents. They're having to just sit down with their kids after school every day and just make sure they get their homework done. I've never done that. Never once sat down with a child or even ask a child if they've got their homework done. I let them know, hey, if you ever need help, I am always here as a resource. But, you know, I'm not going to have to live with your consequences. If you don't get it done, that will just close some doors for you. You won't have as many options. And so that's your thing. You know, it's what you want out of your life. And boy, they wake up and they go, whoa, this is this is on me. Mom's really not going to follow through. And then they, they will pick it up. They have nothing to resist and they will pick it up. You know, another thing we mentioned yesterday is rules are important, but they should be the exception only when needed. And same with force, forcing someone to do, uh, to study something. To me, it should be just reserved for that exceptional, it shouldn't just be the norm of how you deal with your kids. Now we're doing this. This time we're doing that. You will sit here. You will do this. That should be reserved for a unique, exceptional time, but not as a norm.
0: I love the idea, too, of like, if you are worried about something for your kids, then they they don't worry about it themselves. You know, if if they know mom's got all the worry, you know, going on about how their future is going to be, they're not going to care. But if all of a sudden they realize, wow, nobody's worried about this but me, then they drive it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've, I have seen that so many times where where when the parents are worried about how the kids can get the homework done and whatever, they kind of take on this lax attitude of like, well, well, she's got that covered. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna worry yeah. about that. So true. So true. <laughs> That's great. Well I want to hear maybe do you have any other challenges that you feel like you had along the way and what did you learn from them as you were struggling through, you know, finding these unique philosophies on education and parenting.
1: The great thing about homeschool is if you ever do have a challenge you have the leeway to just stop everything you're doing, you know, if if something's not working, if you're getting a lot of resistance, and this is kind of how the math hack system came to be. I was getting a lot of resistance on math, and I kind of ignored that resistance and used the force method on my er, on my first kids, because I thought, that's just math, you know, of course it's hard, of course it's boring, we all know that, and so just uh, just buck up, you have to do hard things in life, and that was my attitude, but Somewhere along the line, I went, wait a minute, why do you hate math? What's going on? And I just uh, told my daughter, no more math. We're not going to do math for a couple of weeks and, and until I figure this out. I just put my mind to it and thought, okay, there's got to be better ways. There's got to be something that is taps into what works for kids better than the way we're doing it. Yeah, that's how Math Hack was born.
0: And that kind of goes into the like our with our paradigm shift. I love how you actually, you know, uh, questioned your assumptions, and then that helped you find a better solution that worked more effectively for both of you. You know, that helped you be able to kind of come to something a little bit more innovative. Do you want to give us um, maybe how your you feel like your overall paradigm changed over time and with
1: experience through all this? Well, let me tell you what gave me the courage to um, to us challenge my own assumptions, challenge the traditional norms, was a quote that I heard that just stuck with me forever. I wish I knew who uh, coined the the phrase, but it was, um, student inability is usually nothing more than teacher inflexibility. That just resonated with me. And so that's why I became a very, very flexible mother, a very flexible teacher. If something wasn't working, then it was my job to come up with something different that would work and not just more force, more tr- more push on the child and, you know, that, that something's wrong on their end.
0: <laughs> I feel like, too, like being a homeschool parent, you um, have the ability, I guess, I don't know if it's ability, but it becomes very tiring because you're doing this 24-7. It becomes very tiring to push and to to shove all of this on you. And so then you start to look for a lot more flexible ways. You start to think a little bit more creatively. You also, it gives you a lot of empathy, even for kids that aren't my children. I feel so much more empathy for them and want to hear really more about them than I ever did before I started homeschooling. I think that, you know, sometimes having to work through those challenges that we like to talk about. And then it does help to shift our paradigm change because, you know, it's exhausting. (laughs) But when they're driving their own education, when they're when the student is driving their own education, your children are and everyone's feeling happy. It's very enlightening and fun and, you know, enjoyable and all
1: of those things. What did you feel about that? Oh, you know, that's such a good point. You said when everyone's feeling happy, if there is a lot of frustration, then there is a need for a change. And uh, that's your cue. If everyone's happy, then you're on the right track. It's it's evidence to you that you have found something that is working. And if you're fighting against a lot of negative, then that's evidence to you that you need to take a step back, rethink how you're going about what you're doing. So that right there is a really big shift for me is that I just used to accept in my old paradigm, I used to just accept the negative as a part of life rather than as evidence to me that a change was needed. It really led to many new philosophies that just worked better, that everything just went more smoothly and there was a great connection with the kids. You know, when you said, what's probably your biggest paradigm shift that I've had? The most important one to me could be characterized this way. Rather than approaching situations from your perspective, what's in your mind, you look at every situation to what's in the other person's heart. How is this coming across? Not how am I meaning it? Not, you know, how do I feel about what I'm doing? You shift to what does the other person feel about what I'm doing? So, for example, if you're meaning to encourage your child, but you can see through their body language or for, or through the fact that they've withdrawn a little bit from you. You're going, whoops, I meant to encourage you, but I can see that I'm discouraging you. Help me know what to say to you that will make you feel encouraged. And if you do that in all your relationships so that your motive, we, we kind of need some help from the other person about how to succeed in what our motives are. And they absolutely can come up with it so fast. We don't have to go read a ton of books and spend a lot of time (laughs) trying to figure it out because they know they will tell you what to do differently. And if you just uh, do that thing differently, they will feel so respected. You will get the results you want. You'll end up being an encouraging mother and, and parent and teacher rather than inadvertently, accidentally discouraging your charge.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Well, and I think that, you know, as we move into the inspiration behind Math Hacked, I mean, you asked your daughter, you know, how, I mean, stopping, being able to have that ability to kind of put things on hold, and then talk those three things out with your daughter, I think, wasn't that partially the inspiration behind Math Hacked? Oh, yes,
1: absolutely. I just kept asking her questions. Okay, what about this? What about that? And the two of us together. And then I came up, I thought, you know, in, for one thing, um, I thought, well, what's the easiest thing to learn in multiplication? Let's start with that, because that will make the child feel like, wow, I'm smart. Oh, wow, this is fun. Right off the bat, where and what I discovered was the threes are like the hardest of all the times tables. And when we learn them in, in school, we usually learn the ones and then the twos and and then the threes. And this is the sequence we go by where I found a different type of sequence. It's very sequential, but rather than starting numerically one and, and moving up to 12, I'm like easiest and then move through until you come up with the very hardest ones. By the time you're there, you feel so smart. You feel so empowered that you're just absolutely ready for that next challenge. And um, there's no need for motivation on on the Math Hacked program. In fact, the kids would come to me all excited. Can I do math next? Can I do math next? And I never had to ask anyone to come do math with me. They came to me asking me if they could do it next. Then I would have to tell them, oh, but you've learned all of them. (laughs) (laughs) All the time stables. And they would just get sad rather than happy. And so I went home and I thought, okay, I got to come up with more steps, more things for them to learn. And so I came up with some extra steps and some additional stuff just to keep them involved in this process. And what you'll find is that kids love to learn. If you can find out what makes kids tick, they will tick and they will remain sponges for you. Then it's our job as teachers to scramble and just keep um, feeding them with more and more. And, and they never wanted that process to end. <laughs> Before we go on, please listen to this message.
2: Hey, Firestarters, this is Mark, producer of The Luminous Mind. If you're like me, the thought of going out to the store and shopping is enough to make you want to crawl in a hole and hide. If that's you, then do your shopping online through Amazon. Just go to theluminousmind.net, click on the Amazon link and shop away. Also, most of the books and resources that Rebecca and her guests discuss can be found on our Amazon links as well. Again, if you're like me, you have already accidentally signed up for Amazon Prime, so most of those purchases should have free shipping as well. Good luck! <laughs>
0: concept as well is that we see this we see this as parents that kids really love to learn and then somehow through the process of things it's it's kind of sucked out of them and there's no longer that drive anymore and that's the really the paradigm change is that we've got to keep that feeling that's just such a natural way of life in those those children and that's why I love all of your stuff, your unique philosophies of of getting their buy in, you know, having them be the driver, um, not forcing them to do those things, you know, talking to them about what would make them happy as a customer of, you know, education or the philosophies that you're trying to instill in their lives. And I think that's such an important paradigm change to to come to. Um, Another thing that I thought was interesting, you know, when I was reading the bio, and we didn't talk about this yesterday, but I I thought it was fun, you know, that you want to, it's a system for teaching multiplication before addition, ideally, which is different too, right? I mean, we always start with addition, and then move to multiplication. Give me your ideas behind that as well.
1: Okay, so we we start out with addition typically because because we can there are crutches that can be used um, they're external crutches like little beads or you know something we can count with our fingers and so that tends to create bad habits in thinking the reason I like multiplication first is because you can't external crutches don't work the problems are too hard. So the crutches are mental crutches, and basically the child gets to do mental gymnastics, and that's what makes them feel so smart. This program doesn't have songs, because if the song is doing the work for them, then they give the credit to the song. And so with the way this program is developed, there's no one to give the credit to but themselves, and they just are like, wow, I'm really smart. And that's another paradigm shift that this program takes advantage of is that we need to give kids way, way more credit. We the current uh, paradigm is like teacher is like educated and smart and we're going to help this child come up to our level and then they will become the teacher and then they will teach the little ones and so forth. And it's this cycle like that. So. The way I look at it is that they're smart already. They can do the work already. And we are not there to fill their minds with stuff and to help them memorize stuff. We're there to, to show them your mind is a powerful thing. And you're going to find out how it works. And you're going to have experience jumping around through different mental pathways It's kind of like there's another quote that guides me that's by Aldous Huxley. He said, all children are geniuses up to the age of 10. And if we can tap into that feeling of genius, and then that genius will stay with them, that confidence will stay with them and guide their whole life, their whole education, what they think they can accomplish. You know, if children uh, don't think they can accomplish it, that is a huge detriment to them. But if they think they can, if they believe they can, then they can, you know, that how they think about themselves is like a vital importance to the success of of their life, you know, the trajectory where they're going to get to. And so our job as, t- as a t- teachers is more as a facilitator to help them discover what they have already in their little systems with their brain. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, and we talked about this yesterday, and I thought it was an interesting thing to think of, but math is a huge indicator of how successful we feel in other areas of our life, too. And you talked about how when we give kids that win in math, and that, you know, they can continue to see the snowball flowing, and that they are smart, and they have those feelings, those all those positive feelings about such a hard subject that we all hated, you know, that it helps them have growth in other academic areas as well. I mean, and how many of us know that? I mean, when we were not successful in math, it stopped us in a lot of other areas of our life that we might have been more successful if we had those small wins in that one area.
1: It is absolutely true. Math seems to be like a key subject for some reason. If we do well in that, then we believe we can do well in all the everything if we don't do well in that we we tend to be tempted to think well i'm just not very smart then and it's not true so that is that is the passion that i have behind this this um program the reason i'm doing it is because i watched personalities change i had the opportunity to try out this little program at a school that i was an an aide at And I, you know, I didn't think much of it. I thought, oh, that worked so great. And I watched my daughter in my homeschool, her attitude about math, just absolutely shifted overnight with that solid foundation and a knowledge that she could do the mental gymnastics, you know, that her her mind was powerful, changed everything about how she felt about math. So I found myself in this Montessori school with all these little kids that were hating math, I could see all the same body language and the same dread and uh, the same like uh, negative emotion attached to it. And so I asked the teacher, hey, <laughs> mm-hmm. mind if I try my little homeschool method out on on our class? And, uh, you know, shout out to her willingness. Her name's Angela Johnson. She let me do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's when I discovered, oh, my, my, I happened in on some really powerful principles and a really powerful program because our class just soared. I, and we watched the, the goof offs, you know, change into like people who were engaged in their education. We watched shy people who, who were just like, I don't know, just no confidence at all, just beam and glow with confidence. And when you, that to me was the success of the program, was watching the demeanor of the children change and to watch that then spread to other subjects, other relationships. That's when I realized that a lot of the philosophies that I had were unique and that people were hungry for them. I had just parents surrounding me asking me all sorts of questions. And where do we find this program? Where did you learn about this? And the teacher I taught with, she let me help with the other things in the classroom. And she's like, I've never learned in this way. This is a whole different way. I never in my life. And I thought, you know the world is hungry for something more effective with regarding education. So that's why we're we're venturing forth to. You know they ask me where do we where do we buy this, and it's taken like eight years since then. And now we're wanting to make this available for for people. And also because anytime you change from one mindset to another mindset, it's a scary thing, and it's why a lot of people don't make it. They don't succeed in shifting. We will sometimes stick with whatever there is, even if it's negative, just because we're used to it. And so we want to be there to help people shift that paradigm so that they can put it to use in parenting and, and in other subjects. And just in their whole thinking that these things can like spread to help relationships and get kids and parents like more tight with a, a richer experience together than they're currently having. Yeah,
0: I recently did a podcast with somebody that talked about our resistance level to something new, even if even if we're like, Oh, this might work better, you know, but we hold to that tradition. But the resistance level is a negative three, you know, that we're going to hold to this tradition, regardless of all the stuff that's thrown at us, because um it's kind of in inbred in us that we are, you know, like I said, it's at a negative three, you've got to come up out of the negatives to be able to get somebody to think positively and making a change or doing that paradigm shift. And it's such a powerful understanding of how we really cling to that tradition. And we accept that, oh, this is hard. This is everybody hates this. I'm just not a math person. you know All these type of right. things that really perpetuate that whole horrible tradition. Um, and I want to hear, do you have any maybe other feedback that you've received about math hacks? And I loved the story that you talked about yesterday of the kid who the parent couldn't get him to go to sleep because do you want to reiterate that or
1: that was such a, all that tickled me so much. The mother said, I keep finding my child under the covers with a flashlight at night when he's supposed to be asleep and he's doing his flashcards. (laughs) (laughs) He just uh, loved it so much. And then another mother told me that her daughter was, was working on flashcards on a big family trip rather than rather than, you know, doing computer games or whatever, and she was tickled about that. One of the best feedback that I got was from a 14-year-old boy who he'd been—his mother was kind of at wit's end. They thought he was developmentally delayed, and they she tried him out in several different schools, and he just was completely so not doing well. And so she's like, could you please tutor my son? And so um, the first step we did with him, I'm like, wow, he, he is completely shut down. I could really feel, I never believed he was, he was not smart, but he was shut down and he just awakened. He awakened on that first step. And after we did a few steps, I got word back from his mother that he had said to his brother, wow, this program is magic. I feel like Einstein right now. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, oh, you know, that's what I want. That's what I want. I want people to believe in themselves, to feel worthwhile, to feel like they can do things. And so that was wonderful feedback. Also, our principal, we actually got um, some complaints from the other teacher because we were going off the norm. (laughs) We were not teaching in the prescribed ways. (laughs) (laughs) And he just kind of, you know, said, you go girl you you take this all the way up to the government educational thing his vision for it was that it should be in all schools i really believe in my heart of hearts that that once people see that there's a new more effective type of sequence a multiplication before addition you know that the 12s way before the 3s and so forth that just makes more sense and that is more much more effective I think it will spread, and I I'm hoping that it will change the way people think about education. So that's
0: awesome. Well, and her tagline when you get on her website will be "I feel like Einstein." Correct? Is that what? Yeah, that's where that came from. Yeah. <laughs> and let's talk about your website. What can people find there when they go to your website?
1: Well, we've just barely touched on the philosophies here. There, there are um, oh, I don't know, I think twelve or. At least, and so you can kind of get a, a better idea of what those philosophies are. You'll find out what Math hacked is not, how it's not traditional. You'll find out what we believe, the beliefs we have that drive the whole movement. I want to even call it a movement because for me, the math is just kind of a, a gateway, an entry point to teach the philosophies and that to have it just uh, like spread spread to other things. You know, the way I taught reading was completely different also than I've ever seen out there. And people will, will be able to adjust what they're doing based on the philosophies is my hope. You can also find out on the website when it will become available. We will keep you updated there. We're in the pre-launch uh, production stage. So you'll be able to order from there and find out where we are and and get your questions answered. We also have a we will have a Facebook group that's a private Facebook group for people who buy the program so that um, we are there. We are there to answer questions and to kind of become a community to support each other. The people will be supporting each other just as much as I will be su- supporting them. It helps to have someone who's been there, done that, um, that has the confidence, that can talk you through your fears, help you, help you uh, realize that those fears are just... Uh, marking the way forward uh, fears are meant to be stood up to and to have someone to help you as we want to be there for people. So
0: that's great. And I did, I felt to mention the website is mathhack.com. So, and, and hopefully um, we'll be able to kind of give more information about that as we close up. But what do you feel like are some personal habits? I mean, you mentioned 12 principles basically, but maybe touch on one of those, uh, a habit in your personal life that would help you feel successful.
1: Well, some of my maybe most powerful habits is to shift from I have to do really great to I can do something small. So another one of my mantras is anything worth doing is worth doing poorly at first. (laughs) (laughs) Different from the old mantra that's anything worth doing is worth doing well, worth doing your best at. Well, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly or not up to your specs. So one example of that is You know, I I don't when you have small children, you don't have time to sit down and read a book. And sometimes that can just stop you. But if you just read 15, 20 minutes a night, um, I found I was shocked when I put all my books together that I had read. And I have read like 150 books and I didn't even start till I was 35. Now I'm 56, I think, (laughs) (laughs) just with 20 minutes a day. Just realize that however small it is, it will add up and have a huge impact. Be content with going small.
0: <laughs> well, and, and we kind of talked about that in writing a book. You know, I I listened to a podcast uh, recently that the guy talked about how um, he never started out to write a book. He just sat down for 20 minutes a day and just wrote a page, you know, and then uh, day after day, that consistency that we have of doing something, at least making a step towards a goal, helps us be able to complete a huge project over the long haul.
1: Right. And I think one of the reasons we have trouble with consistency is because we just like, get a new idea. We get so inspired and we're like, here, I come to save the day, you know, <laughs> and I'm going <laughs> to do something big, you know, <laughs> and then it's so big. We're like, I can't fit that in. I just can't fit that in. It was it's um, we get overwhelmed. So so just like small and steady uh, wins the race is a true principle. But but it's not something that comes naturally to us. And so just 20 minutes a day, that's one habit. Another habit that has made the most difference in my life is the phrase, we are going to make mistakes. Be at peace with mistakes. Mistakes are the best thing that could ever happen to you. And if you're making mistakes, you're heading somewhere. But be quick to say, here, let me try that again. Because when we say something wrong or in something in the wrong tone, with our kids or with anyone, we can just say, oops, that's not what I meant. Here's what I meant. And we can instantly change our tone, change our words to something that we feel good about inside. The tendency is to just stand up for those mistakes because we're the parent. And by dang, you guys have to obey me. And we think we're holding on to authority by just sticking in the groove we started but really what we're doing is showing our children how to be teachable. If we can be teachable to them, they will be teachable to us. Yeah. So here let let me try that again is just the best phrase in the whole wide world.
0: Yeah, a little bit of humility goes a long way for them to help to help them understand that we need that humility in order to continue to learn and to grow. I mean, that's part of that process is taking the failure and being able to learn from it. And and when we cheat them from that because we have a little bit of pride in ourselves and don't want to be seen as a person who's infallible, it actually creates a, a horrible mindset for them that they've gotta keep that persona up and it's and, and actually can stop your learning for sure. Ugh.
1: Oh, yeah. And Love put it. wedge put wedges between you. They it Yeah gives them something to resist. If you give them something to resist, they will resist it.
0: Yeah, your kids see you're in, in, in you know, your problems. <laughs> you might as it well all. acknowledge it yourself. So oh, that's so true. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear about maybe your long term goals. You know, you talked about how you have a different way of teaching somebody how to read as well. Let's talk about that and how that works into the legacy that you hope to leave.
1: Well, you know, I don't know where this is going to go. I'm content with just taking one step at a time. My passion behind it is not as a businesswoman. It is as a person who wants to see kids feel worthwhile and to see their demeanors change to where they will love themselves, love education, that's the passion behind it, but I also notice—I really notice—that there are a lot of people out there, individuals that can see all this stuff. And and one will come up with a music program, one will come up with another, you know, idea. And together, with our each with our own little things that we're doing, are going to make a difference. I just am happy to be a part of that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thrilled to be a part of that and to awaken. A part of people that has been lying dormant. I mean, look at kids. If we look how smart they are, really, they can figure out any computer game that just baffles their parents. You know, I've heard it said, if you want, if you have a problem with a computer, find someone younger than 12, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they will figure it out for you. They are smart and they've got a lot going for them. We just need to believe it, recognize it and treat them as if they were full grown adults, you know, with that same respect and awaken that I just am happy to be a part of that whole movement.
0: (laughs) I love Heather's message. I mean, all through this whole thing, we see the empathy that has grown out of her heart. Through this process of teaching her children. And that's really what a lot of us that have done this for a long time feel. We have, we gain a lot of empathy for children that are, that are not, not even our children because we've learned to listen to kids. But I also applaud the fact that you want to make this into a product that people can purchase because I really feel like maybe part of the problem with our education system is we don't have enough entrepreneurship. And we hear often times that, oh, well, we don't, we, we don't want to get capitalism in our school system or whatever. But because there's no innovation there and there's no, you know, people coming up with new ideas and, and people purchasing products, those type of things. I think we really are stopping our society from having a, a better product in the end. You know what I mean? We stop the innovation. You know, you, you, we've seen over and over the pictures of how our school system has, is pretty much the same from its few, uh, you know, from the time it was birthed <laughs> to yes. now you know, we're doing all those things, but our lives aren't even the same. You know, that was back in a time when there was like horses and buggies, you know, and uh, here we are in the same classroom that we were at that point. And a lot of it is because we don't have this idea that we can go out and purchase something. I, I applaud that. I think that we need to look for ways that we can be a lot more, have a lot more capitalism in our education system. So it's there. They don't want to admit it, but that's why we get stuck in the tradition because because of powerful groups, you know, powerful companies that want to keep a hold on that. So,
1: you know, tradition is very, very hard to break out of because you will always have people talk bad about you <laughs> <laughs> when you dare to do something in a different way than it's always been done. I mean, you look at history, you know, even Galileo and what he discovered about, you know, astronomy and stuff, he Anytime you find new truth, it seems like there's always you're always going to come ag- up against naysayers and people that discourage you. And so take that as a sign that you're on the right track.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like we talked about, it's at a negative three. And that's what we're here to do at The Luminous Mind and to help people like Heather be able to push that push past that negative
1: three. <laughs> for sure. So oh, and that- I love your platform. And I, <laughs> I'm just like so impressed by what you're doing, you know, <laughs> and that was—I wasn't totally meaning to—to to
0: get that out of you or anything. Oh, I know that. That was my soapbox. I know that.
1: It's really therapeutic to to be able to to talk about it. You yeah, know.
0: <laughs> awesome. Before we say goodbye, do you have any final parting words for our listeners? And then give us your contact information, how we can get a hold of Math Hacked and purchase this great product.
1: I guess the parting information is like if if you have a fear, realize that that is marking the, the pathway forward for you and that we if we stand up to those fears, we will progress. We will move forward. Sometimes we have the engine running and we think, oh, the engine's running. I'm making progress, but no, you will know when you start making progress, it's like you put the boat in gear, <laughs> not just have it running, but it's in gear and you feel the forward progress uh, with your kids and their education at home. If you're wondering what to do and where to go, you can usually find it by where is your next self-limiting fear? And then stand up to it. Stand up to it. <laughs> That's- <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's very true. I mean,
0: I remember early on in my whole homeschooling journey. Yeah, it was fearful, but very much at peace too. Like when you move forward, you feel this, you know, yeah, there's the fear there. But once you take a step in the dark, all of a sudden a, a huge peace comes too.
1: Oh, and so it gives you. Yes, yes you get the evidence. Ah, oh, that was so good. I remember one time, I have preached this to my kids my, my whole life about standing up to your fears. And I've tried to uh, do that so that they can see how it's done. (laughs) So I was—I'm in this choir, and I feel like I have a choir voice with 50 people around me. I sound great. And she said, "Hey, do you want to stand up and try this solo part?" I said yes, but but I just bombed it. I bombed it so bad; my voice was gone. I basically my worst fear was realized because I was up there singing, my voice cracking, and having no power in it. (laughs) But I knew I had to stand up to that. And despite the fact that I, quote unquote, failed, I felt so good. I felt so happy. I had um, conquered a fear. And what I found was that my voice immediately improved among that group you know, having faced that fear, I sing with so much confidence and with a much prettier voice than I did before I faced that fear. And it really, really, really taught me a lot.
0: And there kind of goes back to our whole, uh, how failure can actually be a step in growth, not, you know, not like the end all be all, but it's a step in your growth and your progression. So
1: I love that. And how, how can we get in touch with you, Heather? Well, we have the, the website, mathhack.com, and there you should be able to find most of the information that you're wondering about. We also have an email address, um, mathhacked at gmail.com. So if you have anything that you'd like to ask us uh, not that's not addressed on the website, feel free to to write us, and we will just be excited to hear from you.
0: That's great. This inspiring conversation has been with Heather Lichenko with mathhacked.com. You can email her at mathhacked at gmail.com. However, we're going to be sure to link all the information that we've discussed on our website as well. But thank you so much, Heather, for joining us and helping to light our minds on fire on this really important topic of learning math and how that affects our education. I really
1: appreciate it. Oh, Rebecca, thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate that. Thank you for listening to The Luminous Mind. To learn more about Heather Linchenko,
0: go to our show notes, theluminousmind.net. Be sure to become a subscriber to our free email list. Then check out the services tab to see how we can continue to assist you, our fire starters. Also, to help us continue production of illuminating content, go to the Sponsor tab at theluminousmind.net for more information on sponsorship and affiliate programs. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Google+, Pinterest, and now Instagram. Get our free audio content by subscribing on YouTube, iTunes, and Stitcher. To help us grow, consider these easy ways. Tell your friends about us. Leave us a review. Share our content. Tell us how we can help you so together we can continue to light minds on fire and change the paradigm of education.